0: And gentlemen, tis the season, is it not? Welcome to Career Retrospective tonight. As you can see, we are going to be taking on WWE's resident Santa Claus, Jolly Old Saint Mick McFoley. Mick How's everybody doing tonight? We got I'm doing John. joining us as always. Um, underneath me, you can see Jolly Old Saint Simp, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Joining us tonight for the first time, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Rusty?
1: Hi, I'm uh, Rusty Blackwell, the Backwoods Butcher. Uh, I'm a pro wrestler that works uh, out of Sturgeon Falls, Ontario, Canada. And I'm really happy to be here to talk about one of my uh, wrestling idols, Mick Foley.
0: I mean, you kind of look like Terry Funk. (laughs) I'll
2: take it. Wait, this wasn't Terry? Cameo lied to me. (laughs) <laughs> oh jesus
0: <clears throat> all right so i think we might as well just dive into it Mick foley's a very well-known professional wrestler and i mean he's responsible for some of the most iconic moments in the sport's entire history uh and i will definitely go over some of those as well um he was very when he first started training he was very you know he, he wasn't supposed to be successful Like, he wasn't the typical build. He wasn't, you know, your typically marketable kind of guy. He was an everyman, which Vince McMahon later learned sells. When you can relate to your audience, it sells. Uh, So he actually debuted in 1986 under the ring name Cactus Jack. So that wasn't a product of one of the promotions that he went to. That was his own concoction, that was his own idea. Um, in addition to wrestling for the wrestling school that he was training at, he actually made a ton of appearances as an enhancement talent for WWE in the late 80s. Uh, he stayed on the indie scene for a little while, wrestled for Continental Wrestling Association for Memphis. Um, I think it was Memphis. And then he ended up signing with WCW at the end of the 80s, like end of 19, or in 1989, beginning nineteen ninety. Um, His very first WCW match was actually a tag team match against the Steiner brothers. So right away, they threw him in with the dogs. (laughs) Like, the Steiner's Steiners. were very – they had a reputation for being very rough and stiff and painful (laughs) to work with. Um, Excuse me. In this very first match that he had, uh, they lost, obviously. The Steiners were an established team. But Foley and his partner ended up fighting with each other. McFoley jumped off the ring apron and elbow dropped him t- twelve feet away, and apparently that was a huge, like the it went over so well that that's the reason why they let him stick around. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, in late 1990, McFoley was actually involved in a car accident that knocked two of his front teeth out, which became pretty much a signature part of his entire look. Was the whole the missing teeth in the front? That was what we knew about. Is that in the ear <laughs> that we knew about McFoley? <clears throat> Uh, He ended up sliding over to All Japan Pro Wrestling, but ended up leaving because they didn't like his style of wrestling. Um, So he ended up actually coming right back to WCW. Um, Started feuding with Sting, Invader, and pretty much all the top names in WCW at the time. Um, But then again, at the end of 94, after winning a tag title, left again. Uh, He then joined the NWA-based Eastern Championship Wrestling, later known as Extreme Championship Wrestling um paul Heyman was the guy who brought him in and he he kind of this is where he kind of started getting really over with the crowd for the most part um but then he started kind of souring on professional wrestling as a whole during this time uh because a lot of the you know ecw crowds they're known for being hostile rowdy just barbaric fans um so when they would yell things like, You fucked up when somebody was landed on their head because they got hurt, they you know, they botched a move or something. Um, or there was the what was it, the whole sign that someone said that said Kane Dewey on it, things like that. Um, he ended up having some real life issues with the way that the fans were treating the wrestlers, and he actually used that to help cut increasingly intense and dark brooding promos, including the infamous kane dewey promo um if you haven't watched the kane dewey promo i i'm sure rusty i'm sure you've seen it shadow sean i'm sure you guys have seen it if you haven't seen it, it is one of the most dark twisted and like kind of scary promos like it was terrifying the way he talked in it um <coughs> excuse me After leaving WCW, he ended up going to the WWF full time because of uh, Jim Ross. Vince wanted nothing to do with Mick Foley, but Jim Ross insisted, insisted, insisted and said, get this man here. He is money. I promise. Um, Vince didn't like the Cactus Jack character at all. uh, So they came up with a new gimmick for Mick Foley to wear a mask and His original name was supposed to be like Manny the Mutilator or something like that. Something stupid. Um, Mick Foley actually came up with the name Mankind. They loved it. Vince ran with it. Um, His character was this mentally deranged man who was fascinated with boiler rooms. And that's the reason the boiler room brawl matches exist is because of Mankind. Excuse me. And despite being this dark, twisted, deranged character, his catchphrase was have a nice day. And if that is not some psychotic-ass shit, I don't know what it is. Like, let's be real. Pretty much immediately after coming into the WWF, he began feuding with Undertaker. Um, His feud with Undertaker was pretty much on and off the entire time he was in WWE in the late 90s. He had several iconic matches and moments. We all know the Hell in a Cell match. We all know the Buried Alive match. These two these two helped define the Attitude Era, honestly. Like, every a lot of credit goes to Rock and Austin for their feud, and then Austin McMahon and their feud, and rightfully so. But if you were to take, like, a top three Attitude Era feuds, in my personal opinion, Undertaker and Mankind is right up there with those top three. Yes, Shadow.
2: Just just quick something. One of the characters that Mick Foley portrayed, isn't there a – a tie to, I believe it was Charles Manson. So that was originally the idea for
0: Mankind. That's uh, that Or was. no, it was Cactus Jack. That happened in WCW. Okay. They called him Cactus Jack Manson for a little while. and That's he yeah. didn't I like knew there it. was something there. He didn't like it uh, because <laughs> he didn't want to be associated with Charles
2: Manson. Man. Uh, right.
0: But they did eventually ditch it. But yes, I remember reading that earlier today. And he, did, yeah. he didn't like it.
2: <laughs> I, know, I know random stupid facts there, so I just want to throw that in there. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um,
0: Foley feuded with pretty much everyone. Every top star you can think of, he feuded with in the 90s. Um, on January 4th, 1999, Foley would compete for the WWF championship against then-champion The Rock on a pre-taped episode of Monday Night Raw. Eric Bischoff, the WCW uh, president at the time, famously had Tony uh, Tony Schiavone spoil that match's result, knowing it was pre-taped, to an attempt to keep the viewers watching Nitro, which was airing live that night, instead of going over and watching Monday Night Raw. WCW, that plan backfired, as we all know. <laughs> Excuse me, um, the plan backfired massively as. Tons of viewers. I don't know the exact number, but if someone could dig up the number of how many people actually switched over,
2: it was, was it a like lot. something almost like two million people.
0: It had to have been something like that. I know it was in the millions. Um, switched over to watch this match happen. Um, one of the most overbooked matches in professional wrestling history. There was so much shit going on in that match, but it was so much fun. Um, WCW never led the ratings battle again after that. And this match, this specific match with Mankind and The Rock was widely viewed as the turning point for the Monday Night Wars. And it was. I mean, the the data's there. It was the turning point um, that led to the downfall of WCW. And a huge part of that was people wanting to see Mankind win and succeed. 600,000? Okay, so that's still a shitload of people. But, like... (laughs) We'll we'll just say 2 million because it sounds... We're going to say 2 million. (laughs) 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 Excuse me. Um, he ended up going on to feud with pretty much everyone else in the WWF. You know, he had some great matches with Triple H, um, great matches with The Rock. I mean, he was all over the place. Um, he then left in 2001 and actually went to Randy Orton. Or Randy Orton. Oh my God, Ring of Honor. I'm I'm sorry. I was I skipped the line. Ring of Honor.
3: Enter um, Sammy in three, two, one. This is uh, right. <laughs>
0: feuded with guys like uh, CM Punk, believe it or not, uh, and AJ Styles back in the day. Uh, Then came right back to WWE and ended up feuding with people like Randy Orton and Edge and even competed in a hardcore match at WrestleMania 22 against Edge. We'll get into that one a little bit later, too. Um, After leaving again and going over to TNA and Impact for a little while, came back to WWE one more time. uh, And he was supposed to face Dean Ambrose in a match at SummerSlam in 2012. I didn't know this was supposed to happen until I did my research today. He was supposed to go against uh, Dean Ambrose at uh, SummerSlam in 2012, but he could not get medically cleared. Um, So, because of that, he just decided to officially retire. Um, It was supposed to be like a street fight or something like that. Yeah, it was supposed to be a passing of the torch match
2: to to John Moxley, because we'll call him who he is now. To Jonathan Moxley. Yeah. Yeah. But I I remember (laughs) that was supposed to be a thing, and that's why Foley ended up, I believe it was a baseball bat he gave him. Right,
0: yeah. Um, he officially retired in 2012 from entering competition. He was pretty much immediately inducted into the Hall of Fame the next year, um, and you know throughout the years continued to make his sporadic appearances. He'd come out for the promo. I think one of my favorite moments was when he came out for that promo before Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins had their Hell in a Cell match. I, I, I if you haven't gone and watched that promo, I highly recommend that as well because he was like basically telling them listen you guys are never going to be the same again after this match like it's going to take years off your life off your career like it was a really really underrated promo especially the fact that they let these two essentially rookie singles competitors main event that pay-per-view like that was the main event of that pay-per-view and i think that's just amazing excuse me um there was even a a brief period of time that he was the raw general manager, which I think was a lot of fun because that was when he was general manager. And then I think that was when Daniel Bryan was general manager of SmackDown at the same time, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Um, yes, it uh, was. was
0: pretty... So, I mean, I could go on and on about his entire career because there was so much shit that happened. He went through – he did everything. Like, I mean, he was all over the place. You know what I mean?
2: Um, so how, how did you forget – there's one thing that kind of annoys me that you forgot, considering the oh, amount of research you did today. How are we going to forget he's a two-time New York whatever author, bestseller? Yeah. How are you going to forget that, bro? Ten bro, books.
0: on my list. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I was talking about his wrestling career first.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Whatever. Whatever, man. So, if you let me get on to the Mick Foley fun <laughs> facts, all right? <laughs> <laughs> the Mick Foley fun facts. First off, the stats. He's a three-time WWF champion, nine-time tag team champion. Eight of those were in WWF. One of those was in WCW. Uh, and he was even a former TNA World Heavyweight Champion when he was in his 50s, which makes no Who sense. Who wasn't, though?
3: What? <laughs>
0: Who wasn't? A TNA champion? Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mick Foley, a lot of people know this one, but I still will always bring this up. Mick Foley is the only person to enter a single Royal Rumble match three different times. He appeared as his Mankind character, his Cactus Jack character, and his Dude Love character, all in the same match. You should have just come out four times and come out as Mick. <laughs> yep. Uh, so does does anyone know where the Dude Love character came from? Rusty?
2: No? No? Ru- but doesn't it Isn't come from it, his what? high school days? What? It comes from his high school days, doesn't it?
0: No, which I thought that was the case too. So there was a a moment where uh, Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels won the tag team champions, championships. And they were almost going to have to vacate them because Shawn Michaels got injured and was supposed to be taken off TV. McFoley, as Mankind, stepped up and tried to take Shawn Michaels' place and team with Stone Cold. Yeah. And Stone Cold was like, I don't like you. You're a freak. I don't like your character. I don't like what you're doing. It was, you know, storyline, of course. Yeah. So he's like, okay, maybe I'm too hateful. Maybe I'm too uh, crazy. Maybe I'm too much of a freak. So he decided to dress up in this tie-dye T-shirt with the glasses and call himself Dude Love. And one Stone Cold over... And they ended up winning the tag titles back together. And I think that's just hilarious because that was almost, he was not dude love very much. He was only dude love a couple of times ever, but the moments he had with it were so iconic that it just, it just stuck. Uh,
2: So where does the, where does the story of, um, (laughs) Hey Pat, you're rather welcome to join us. If you want, let me know. I'll send you a link. Um, where, I thought the story came from high school because he had like a character that he portrayed in high school. In that way, oh. I don't know the specifics of if that
0: actually happened, but I would love to. If, if anyone knows if there's Rusty, anything, you know
2: anything on that?
0: Uh,
1: I know about uh, I know about like '97 when with the tag team and that, and I thought it had something to do, like he's a big music fan of somebody, and it was like. Yeah, you're right about like this. This high school, like it was like this. Who the hell was it that he was, oh, a big it was music inspired fan of? by
0: something he did in high school? Maybe that's what it was.
1: <laughs> Is it like he's like a big? Tor- he's like a big Tori Amos fan or something. I can't remember, but um, <laughs> that's not really related. But but uh there was something about like music scene stuff that that inspired this whole thing. I can't. I'm I'm mixing up stuff, but that yeah, that to well, me he- I keep. I, I remember the the audio clip of
0: him talking about it, but that's about it right we'll see if our man behind the scenes can figure something about out.
3: about his uh, inspiration yeah i think it was um,
0: jimmy valiant
3: I, yeah pat says it's jimmy valiant not
0: um, the wise man jimmy valiant that makes a lot of sense actually now that you say that all right <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me um another fun fact shadow he is an accomplished author <laughs> reaching the top of the New York Times bestseller list numerous times and has wrote over a dozen books. A lot of them are memoirs uh, that are just him going off on anecdotes from his professional wrestling career. The coolest cat in sports entertainment, Dude Love boogied into WWE in summer 1997. The Dudester was was originally a character fully played in an infamous home movie where he dove off his roof. As do do love, McFoley finally got to be the ladies' man he dreamed of becoming. That's hilarious. I love that. Dude, I maybe that's what it was. It was it. Was a play yeah.
2: on that ladies' man gimmick that he did back in high school or college, whatever it was. That's amazing. Wow. Um, another fun
0: fact, which is why uh, Jolly Old Saint Simp is dressed up like Santa Claus tonight. McFoley is a huge lover of Christmas so much so that he has a house in his home or a room in his home, Jesus Christ, dedicated to Christmas and it is year it's literally decorated for Christmas year round. Um he even attempts to wear Christmas themed socks every single day of his life. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he keeps up with that cuz every time I see him anywhere, when I saw him at the 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 convention earlier this year, he was wearing Santa Claus socks that had like little beards on them. They were cool as hell.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excuse me. Um, another thing that I actually kind of I kind of got to because he did a little bit of stand up when we were at that convention. Um, he had a very successful stand up comedy career, which he'll uh, he'll occasionally still do every now and again. Uh, and a lot of it he uses wrestling anecdotes from his career as source material. Um. A whole room year round dude yeah I know <laughs> the whole <clears throat> the whole year the dude is I don't I wonder if he's ever been to Bronner's in Michigan. I don't know if any of you guys know what Bronner's is um it's a, sounds like a
2: port it sounds like a,
0: a gentleman's club yeah <laughs> so, Bronner's is a uh, a Christmas themed store that is open three hundred and sixty five days a year um and it's it's huge
2: it's massive there, that, that train goes through. What is that where that train goes through? The Polar Express. Oh, the Polar
0: Express goes through my town, actually. It's uh, well, hello.
4: I am so sorry. I am Emily. I passed out. I'm sorry.
3: I just want to say that uh, you know, McFoley is my favorite little helper, by the way, too. So, uh, thank you for taking the load off all year long, Foley. Ho, ho. ho. Oh my God, oh, slappy, I'll
1: throw I'll throw I don't, I don't remember the names of the books but I mean just going into some of the books like Mick has authored like multiple children's books multiple mm-hmm. novels like they're not there so there's there's like the the New York bestseller uh, you know rest <coughs> wrestling kind of tell all you know yeah uh, like it's, it's not
0: all memoirs and stuff they're there's not but
1: they're not he's he's very a yeah, a lot of
0: variety to it and I, I love that <clears throat> Alright, now that Sammy's here Our viewership's probably going to go up Thank you oh my God. <laughs> I know Sean's yeah. scaring people away So we had to fix it
4: <laughs> Santa
0: Claus wears the stupidest headphones I've ever seen in my life
3: <laughs> They're my Playstation headphones, right?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you have elves to do these things? Tell me Santa Claus can't afford turtle beaches Get out of here <laughs> Anyways, this is where, Sammy, you're just in time. This is kind of the part where we're going to get right into the roundtable discussion. Uh, this is where we'll get all into our own personal opinions on Mick Foley, jolly old Saint Mick, and uh, just kind of debate a little bit. So we'll see. Uh, we'll start off with good old uh, Santa Claus over there. <laughs> um, oh. Santa, why don't you take Mick Foley's in-ring work and give me a rating on a scale of 1 to 10?
3: Oh... Oh, thank Mick! I love watching him from the from the North Pole when I'm off uh, off for the season. You know, um, I love going back watching old Mick Foley tapes, and I think his injury work is a is a great, solid eight out of uh, eight out of ten. Maybe it's a little bit more uh, tuny, but a great out of ten for the good boy.
2: Oh my God! <laughs> I
1: can't.
0: Rusty, will slide it over to you, my man.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm going to go like 10, but that's, I'm biased. I mean, he's, he's a larger, heavier set guy and he can still, he can still do a lot of the, the, you know, the chain wrestling and, and grappling. He still moves fast. Uh, that's, that's a big accomplishment. Uh, he moves a hell of a lot faster than I can. So <laughs> I'll say, I'll say that, you know, that's, you know, that's my opinion. Yeah. He's, he, do, he does for, for his size, for his body type, I think top, top of the line, <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Shadow, how about you? Good to know I'm going to be the asshole here, but I'm giving him a six. <laughs> okay. I mean, you usually are, so it's okay. Um, like, But uh, to Rusty's point, yes, he's a bigger guy like us and can go and can do these things well. But for me, the athleticism, while he can do certain things, it's just not there. So I feel like it's a six for me. And that's just being generous because of what he has done to put over other wrestlers in that process. So, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, Sammy, what about you?
4: What are we talking about in uh, in ring
0: ability? Uh, yes.
4: Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I was thinking like a seven or eight. He's not the greatest, like, what is it, like tech. Technical, a uh, wrestler, but he's a really he's one of the greatest uh, brawler wrestlers. If you know what I mean, he's good at brawling I like that. So I would say for was it just brawling, I would give him a nine, absolutely. But just regular in ring work, I'd give it a, I'd give it a seven eight.
0: Okay, um, so for me, I put it at an eight as well. Um, you know, Foley, he's not no one, again. No one's not no one's gonna confuse him for one of the heart members, or you know. Mm-hmm. Someone like that, or Eddie Guerrero, Mick Foley. When he was in the ring, you know what you were gonna get. You were gonna get a fiery fight, regardless of whatever you know, whatever the match was. He's gonna bring that fire every single time he brought that fire, and he could get whether or not a five star match is you know happening with Mick Foley. Some of them were legitimate five star matches, absolutely. Um, but it's not what you expected out of Mick Foley. But you expected Mick Foley to bring the best out of the person he was working with. And for that, he did that every time there was a big stage. He helped make The Undertaker's career. I firmly believe that Undertaker would be nowhere near as successful as he was without McFoley. Triple H, I believe Triple H's feud with McFoley in the late 90s helped cement Triple H as a main event star. And, and then
2: he solidified Edge as a complete package. Edge
0: as a main event act. Main so like, think about Stone Cold and The Rock those are two guys who were, they were going to be solidified as main event acts. Anyways, undertaker, his career was not going well in the mid nineties. Like it was going okay, but it wasn't like, it wasn't where it was when he first won the WWF title from Hulk Hogan. He had taken a big downward turn. Um, and he was getting kind of boring. Like people were kind of bored with him. And then Mick Foley comes along as this deranged psychopath. And, I don't know. Mick Foley just brought the best out of everyone he worked with. He, I think he's. I would credit him with helping solidify Randy Orton as well because their feud was criminally underrated.
4: Two thousand four. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. um,
0: that what was that the the main of uh, the Royal Rumble and he came running in and eliminated himself and Randy Orton at the same time. That was awesome.
4: Yeah. No, they had a
0: really wrong. good match together easy. too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so this is where I think we're all going to be pretty close to unanimous on our decisions. I'm going to say his promo work, um, Santa
3: Claus. Oh, oh, oh there's my favorite wheezy blonde. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Max? San-
0: Santa, you going to talk about his promo work? Oh yes, yes. Sorry.
3: Uh, I mean his promo yeah. work. Oh, uh, I mean. I love his promo work, um, but sometimes it could be a little bit much. Uh, I'll, I'll give him a, you know, I'll give him i I'll give him another eight, eight out of ten. Uh, you know, it, it, depending on whether he's a baby face or heel. You know, so Santa doesn't like to be too mean on people, you know. Listen, you know.
2: the Lex offender is here, so Santa's all tongue twisted.
3: <laughs> Jesus Christ! I love that for you.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, uh, Rusty.
1: How about you, my man? Uh, I really—I've always thought uh, Mix uh, promo work was top-notch. Uh, I'll say nine because I—I—I I, want to try to be harder on myself. But I think that um, when uh, Dude Love and Mankind were on the screen in '97, uh, introducing a Cactus Jack in a WWE for the first time. Uh, even though that seems a little strange, looking back at it now, because it's like you know, obviously, obviously, uh, like I was uh, what, like almost, you know, I was like eighteen or something at the time. Um, I think about it being like I, I thought of how like if I was a little kid at the time, I would I would question whether they were different people, and I would I remember thinking, I wonder if people actually wonder if these are actually, if Dude Love is not Cactus Jack, like those are different people because they're on the screen at the same time. And I know that sounds kind of silly now, but thinking about that then going like, I bet you there's kids in the audience that think that these are three different people. And I liked that because it was like, they they did the promo so well. And then when he came out, it was like, you know, Dude Love can't do like a street fight because he's like, you know, I can't do that. That's not my scene, but I know somebody that can, you know, and I was like, I just, I don't know. I thought it was great. So we'll say nine Uh, out of 10.
2: Yeah.
0: Hell yeah! Absolutely. Shadow, what do you think?
2: For me, it's an eight because <laughs> I believe, like to to everybody's point so far, he could tell a story. Like it, he might have taken a while to get there, but he took you on that roller coaster to believe what you were hearing and seeing. So for me, it's an eight. I think that's a pretty solid number for him. I mean, you take away he did have some rough, rough promos, and I contribute that to the many headshots that he's taken. Um. So yeah, I think eight's fair. Absolutely, Sammy. How about you?
4: Um, I think he's he's good. Like Paul Heyman, like Paul Heyman is a great storyteller, and so is Mick Foley. I'm gonna give him a nine. I really he's really gifted and he's compelling in the ring with his stories. He's I think he's a better storyteller <laughs> and on the mic than he is. I want to say, rest, not wrestler, but like his like he can talk like Paul Heyman, you know. He's still a great wrestler, don't get me wrong, but I feel like he's way better at his uh, mic work. I give him a nine.
0: Absolutely. Um, I gave him a nine uh, simply because when he talked, people listened. And he kind of just commanded the attention. He's the kind of guy who could command attention away from the Undertaker when they're standing in the same ring. Um, He could command the attention away from – pretty much anybody if he wanted to, he could tell you an incredible story. Um, one promo that I highly recommend. Um, I think it was 2006. He was sitting in a chair in the ring and his, he had blood on his head and stuff. Um, and he started talking about how he, uh, ECW sucked. And he was talking about the steaming cesspool. That is the Hammerstein ballroom. If you ever get a chance to watch that promo, that's an excellent promo. Um, Another one that I, I, I really liked from him, if I can just find it really quick. The oh, the This Is Your Life. Obviously, that's the highest rated segment in Monday Night Raw history. McFoley led that entire segment. That was all him. The Rock was a side player in that category, that that segment, and that's just. Um, but it was uh, the mat, the promo that he was talking about his upcoming match with the Undertaker. Uh, He was warning women and children to not watch it. Um, It was going to be just an absolute torture fest and disgusting things were going to happen. And he said something about, do you know what it's like to sit on an airplane for 14 hours with the smell of charred flesh in your nose? Like, that's fucked up. He could say some fucked up stuff and get away with it. And he could be absolutely chilling and spine tingling. Or he can make you laugh your ass off like with the This Is Your Life segment. And for that, I give him a nine. <clears throat> All right. Santa Claus, how about his baby face work?
3: Oh oh, ho. Oh. His baby face work was always my favorite. You know? He was a great baby face. I had to give him a, a jolly old Saint Nick ten out of ten. Ho oh, oh, ho oh. <laughs> oh
2: god. I'm gonna It's gonna be a long coal. podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna stuff some coal right up here. Uh, Rusty! Get right up, your rusty! I like it.
3: <laughs> um,
0: right up, your rusty Blackwell. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, so the fun for me, uh, even when uh, I always felt that Mick, whether he was playing face or heel, that he knew what he was doing and where he was coming from. So it was always like justified, like the idea of like when you're playing like a really when you're playing a really good villain, well. You're not the person doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. They they know why they're doing what they're doing. It just comes across as as villainous, right? Because right. the motivations are clear. So uh I like. I mean, it's it's similar to like, in a way. It's, I I feel weird saying this, but it's like it's similar to like when when I was when I first started uh, wrestling, I I was planning on doing a lot more heel work, and everyone that knew me was like no one's going to believe you're a threatening person. You're too nice. Right. And to me, it's like, I feel like Mick's face work is more to his natural character and to his personality as a, as a human being, which is probably why it comes across as more genuine. I don't think that he's actually a, a malicious person, even though he hurts people <laughs> very hard or hits people very hard in the ring. It's still like, I don't think he wants to inflict... Pain on people. I think he's just trying to have a good show and have a good time. So anyway, I'll say uh, nine. We'll keep it. We'll keep it fair. I won't go. I won't go. Ten.
3: Too biased. <laughs>
1: I won't go too biased. I'm trying yeah. so hard.
2: Shadow, what about you, my man? We're doing the baby face, right? Yeah. I'm more up for the next part, but for this, I, I think it's great because, as Rusty said, he's genuine. That's kind of who he is. He plays a lot of himself into his baby face work. <laughs> so. I'll give it a nine point eight. Whoa. It's not a perfect ten. Okay, Sammy, how about you?
4: Um, I'm the same way with Shadow. I think like baby face or heel, they're both amazing. He did great with both of them. So like, I'm doing the same thing with face. I'm doing the same grade with heel. I'm gonna give him a nine because he was great no matter what he was. Some or we're just skipping heel
2: for Sammy, I guess.
4: All right. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and I apologize for eating. I literally just woke up and i was starving. <laughs> so. I didn't want to be I was already late, so I didn't want to like be any longer than I had to be, and I apologize. No, um, right. but yeah. But no, I just have to say that because he is a great both ways, and not a lot of people are like that. So oh. I appreciate that. But he does that. He was like that.
0: Mikey P says an eight. Okay. Um, so I am gonna go ahead and I'm gonna side with Santa Simp over here <laughs> and say it's a perfect ten. Um and I'm gonna tell you why. Mick Foley did what Daniel Bryan did before Daniel Bryan did it. People were chanting for Mick Foley in matches that he was not a part of. People were wanting Mick Foley to be pushed to the top, even though he wasn't your stereotypical big buff rock looking dude. Even though he went off the top, he got pushed to the top. Yes. He was He was relatable. He was the everyman. Um he was, he was what Daniel Bryan's yes movement was in the late 90s. And if you don't believe me, just go watch the match where he won the WWF title in the Monday Night Wars ratings turn of all time. You know, the big ratings turn that happened. Just go watch that match and watch that crowd and tell me it wasn't one of the most electric crowds you've ever seen in your entire life. That dude was the ultimate babyface. And I will gladly give him a 10. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, feel like, I feel so strange having the lowest score now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: that's what's great about this. It's no. a opinion based, and you're allowed to have. Oh that yes. it's not too late to change it to a ten, Rusty. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure. change. When I'm gonna change. We
4: did Randy. I was, I was biased the whole time. I, I had it. It a, We
0: Randy. already did that one, and you were biased the whole time. That's what,
4: that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I was biased the whole time. We did Randy.
1: Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll leave it for the sake of letting us keep keep going with the conversation.
0: <laughs> um, so how about his heel work, Santa?
3: Oh boy, that was tough for me watching uh, old good boy Mick. Sometimes I had to remember that you know it was it wasn't real and uh, not check him off on the naughty list. So uh, I, I have to give his heel work. I, I loved it. It was believable. Um, scared me a couple times. Um, thought he almost died a few times. So I had to give him another 10. Uh, just remember, I had to check him twice and say, mm, he's not really this bad in real life, so he, he doesn't get the naughty list. You know. <sighs>
4: this Rusted. is great. I love this song.
1: I, um, I'll say, I'll say 9.5. I thought it was, uh, every, I always understood where no matter who he was playing, no matter what he was doing, I always understood what his motivations were and why he was doing the things he, he did. And I believed them. And, you know, like, like there's this weird side of me that's like, no matter what character he was playing, even when they were, were you know, doing something that no people wouldn't understand. There was this kind of weird, like working class vibe of like this is just the position that he's get put in and he's kind of coming at it from that place and it's kind of morbidly relatable so and i mean morbidly relatable <laughs> that it, it 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 makes you i mean those are the those are the best heels are the ones that you're you're kind of <coughs> guilty you feel you feel bad that you're actually kind of rooting for them Right. you should feel bad <laughs> and, and you some, sometimes you do other times you, get <laughs> you just cheer for them anyway
0: right uh, Mikey P says heel is eight also for him. Mikey, thank you for engaging. Shadow, how about
2: you, my man? I love the statistic, McFoley. So I'm going 10 because every time he got real fucking crazy, he was it just drew me in even more. You know, it's similar when he was mankind in a heel, you know, it, it draws comparison for me to a Bray Wyatt fiend. Because mm-hmm. they both just flicked this switch. And it was just something. And there's somebody else. Yeah. It was just always that. amazing to me. And that's I wasn't very much on the cactus jack heel because obviously obviously knew it was happening, death matches, etc. Like they were just beating the shit out of each other with that right. But when it came to mankind, the boiler room matches and all that when he was just purely out of his mind. Ten
0: It's always a weird mental state when you realize a heel is right. You know what? Let me sidetrack really quick with that. The perfect feud that I will give to that is CM Punk feud with Jeff Hardy. CM Punk was the heel who was straight edge, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, didn't do anything like that. Jeff Hardy was the guy who has had several DUIs and drug problems. And the babyface was Jeff Hardy in that feud. Explain that to me. (laughs) Like,
4: (laughs) what?
3: I mean, Uh, similar
4: to
2: the Jericho CM thing, too. Yeah. Like the they did the well Jericho they did
0: kind of flip somewhere in the middle there where Jericho ended up being the heel. I actually yeah. just saw a segment not too long ago. It was the where they tried to make CM Punk do the sobriety test in the middle of the ring. WWE was stupid in 2012, okay? It was really stupid. <laughs> like CM he called him CM drunk. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, anyways, CM Punk. All right, uh, Sammy. We'll go to you for uh, Mick Foley's heel work.
4: Um, I'm not sure if you remember. I think I said I gave it a nine.
0: Fair enough. All right, oh, Sammy's. Maybe, about. I'm
4: just kidding. I'm just kidding. I had to be a little bit of heel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I never am.
0: Yeah, I. So I never really got to see peak heel Mick Foley, and oh, okay, and <laughs> that. Um, I hate that. Because I was, I was too young. Um, so, but seeing his stuff now and, you know, growing up and having access to YouTube and all that and being able to see the things that he did as a heel, I'm sure it would have scared the living dog shit out of me when I was a little kid. Especially the Kane Dewey one and the the one where he's telling women and children not to come watch his matches. Yeah. And I mean, the dude was a good heel. And because I couldn't see it in its prime because I was too young, I'm going to say an eight. Uh, that's the only reason daddy. Oh, I did it. What a promo. Yes. Another great one. Absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so we'll go with his overall body of work. Santa, what do you think? If you're going to take everything, average it out, give me an overall score for Mick Foley.
3: Oh, his overall. Um, I know it wasn't so sweet on his uh, wrestling abilities too much, but his promos, his heel work, his face work, uh we're gonna give it an average, you know, we're gonna give it overall. Oh shit is gonna still be nice, you know.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Rusty, how about you? Be biased. Uh
1: <laughs> so I won't I, I won't go full score, but I but I will say, you know, um losing teeth, uh broken bones, losing an ear, um, and and this is this is that whole thing of like giving giving to others in the ring, right? So like you not everybody gets to um, be the person who just comes out on top and, and, and does all the match. Some people have to look big and strong and tough and then lose. And that's that's to me, I feel like McFoley might have given more to the industry than some of the people that benefited from McFoley. And that, that 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 that's not a jab at anybody. That's just more like you know some of them are still in the middle of their careers. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. He is a bigger guy. He did have to retire relatively early because that's what happens. And um, I wish we would have had more. So there's a part of me that's like, because of that, I'm going to go like, I don't know, 8.8, like a really, really middle of the ground, a plus kind of thing.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. All right. Shadow, how about you? Before I get mine, Rusty, before you became a wrestler yourself, would that have been the same answer? Or now that because you understand the psychology of wrestling and storytelling differently, is that still where you sit with that?
1: It's 100% different because I I know more about wrestling now. Absolutely. Like the idea of what Mick Foley has had to do to himself and for others uh, as somebody who is as large as he is and like it's unbelievable. So I'm really, I really respect that, and I, I feel like if you would have asked me when I was like a teenager, I would have been like, ah, like seven, six. I really, I liked him, but I, there was people I liked more. But that's just being a teenager and a fan. Now that I'm older and so more, like I get sore easier. Right. <laughs> maybe maybe I have a maybe maybe my age is kind of a little bit more of the respect part of it too. Fair enough.
2: Mate, oh. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna defer myself for a quick minute sammy has to run so i'll let her give her thing and then let her
4: yeah go. i'm sorry I having uh, a little emergency so what was what am i talking about his overall <laughs> body of work oh his overall body of work i feel like he not one of the greatest wrestlers but one of the greatest like all around like with the promo, with face feel with everything and all that i would give him out of a, a 10 or a yeah, I would say I would give him an eight all round. And the best match he's ever had was with Randy Orton 2004. Randy Orton beat him. He's <laughs> had to put that out there. All right. All right. Thank you,
2: brother. Sammy. We'll see you later. Bye. Anyway. Did anyone else see that beer gut walk behind her? <laughs> that was amazing. Over, overall body of work. I'm going to break it up into two different things here real quick. As a wrestler, I give it a six because he had to do a lot of stupid shit to get himself over and put others over. Hmm? And I don't (laughs) think that was fair to his mental state or his body because it probably did put put him in a really dark place. Entertainment, it's a 10 because no matter what he did, he killed the fucking shit out of it. Dude was a born entertainer. 100%. If he wasn't a wrestler, 100% an actor or comedian, he would have nailed it. Well, if you listen to my fun facts, he is a comedian. Well, you know what I mean. Like a full-time,
0: full-blown. I know what you mean. Full-blown Matt Rife over here. Just kidding.
2: Um, (laughs) That being said, I'm going to average it to about an 8.8, like Rusty. I feel like that's a good... I said 8. I'm going to go 8.9, but I didn't want to have the lowest number again, so I even go. Thanks. I'll, um... Mikey P
0: says overall nine point five, and Pat says an overall eight. Um, real quick before I give mine, Rusty, I do have one question for you, and it's something that I've kind of been pondering in my head since I started training to wrestle. Every single time I get in the ring, the very first back bump I take, every single time, hurts like a motherfucker, and then after that, I don't feel any of them like is that just me or is that how it is for you
1: it's just you uh <laughs> it's just you Why uh I feel them, hit,
4: but I, I'm, really
1: wor- I'm worried about you hitting your head and i worry that you need to take care of your 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 neck and your back more uh no chin. no <laughs> <laughs> i i it does i i i i could take a when i when i get in there and i get smashed onto my back uh it doesn't, it feels the exact same every time. And, but I also like, I don't know what to say. Um, there's a conversation that's strange about like when you've had a lot of really intense injuries, what, how, like your pain threshold changes. So like I, I've right. broken my neck playing football. Uh, I've, I've broken all my limbs. I've broken all my ribs. Like these are just things, but you know, like, so it, it becomes like you're sore, but in comparison to what right like like i I, i've walked into the er with a broken ankle where my foot was like flopping around and (laughs) they had said uh so on a scale from one to ten how much does it hurt i'm like it's like a seven and then they went and pulled my shoe off and it pulled my foot part way off and they were like what are you what are you talking about and i'm like i didn't expect you to take my shoe off that was what was holding my foot on walks into the hospital
0: does this look normal
1: (laughs) Well, they thought I had a skiing inju- injury, but uh, I'm just a big fat guy that was playing basketball. But um, anyway, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so it, it, to answer your question, uh, it, it feels the same. Um, but and I, I do actually when you say that when it hurts a lot at the beginning, it makes me worried. That you're, no, 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 that you're hurting no, your neck and that you're, no, just, you're saying it, it doesn't hurt afterwards because you have a head injury and you're just concussed. Yeah. Um, no,
0: no, no. So my, my coach tells me that um, it, he had the same thing when he was my age um, is that when he would take the first one, he would over anticipate it
4: uh-huh. and
0: he would hit a little too hard. And he thinks that that's what I do also, um, mm. because after that, after that, every single one of them feels exactly the same. And it's it's nothing. But like yes. that first one, for some reason, I'm just I'm, I, I'm never like fully prepared for and so, you know I'm, I'm only a year into it so you
1: know. well i i will say and this is more of a big heavy guy thing is that uh when i don't when i don't get it to bump for a while i start getting tense and achy and yeah. i actually look forward to going and getting in the ring because i feel like it loosens my back up and i walk Absolutely. better afterwards which is strange it's like going to the chiropractor is going and in, it's a just
2: chiropractors frame. for wrestlers oh, I, I,
0: I actually i 100 feel that as well like yeah. I feel better when I've been in the ring. Hard
2: so, absurd. like,
0: if I've been not, if I haven't been to practice or anything like that, I I, I feel like, oh, this is I feel stiff. Yeah. I feel like I need to get in the ring. I need to at least run the ropes or something. Like, get me loosened yeah. up.
1: So sore <laughs> as hell, got bruises all over, but I feel like a million bucks. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So the very the very first match that I ran, we did a four on four tag team match. And it was a uh, street flight. So it was everyone was fighting and going crazy. And it, w- it was a good way to mask, you know, people's first. So because three of us, that was our first match. Um, wow. And the, the the four guys we were against have been doing this for years. So they led, they took control. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that I pretty much was paired with the entire match is built exactly like Mick Foley. Like, <laughs> like it, you, if he grew his beard out, you would think he was Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. Um his name is Nick. He's in his late forties, so he's 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 up there. Um, <laughs> and he we were just having so much fun with it. And again, he's he was a very selfless performer as well, where he's like, "Dude, smack the shit out of me!" Like totally. Yep, and um, yeah. I got to hit a dude over the head with a cymbal. It was cool. <laughs> but, with a cymbal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was his idea because he uh, he's a drummer. He's built like me. Uh, the guy that I hit with the symbol—we're about the same size. He's a little shorter than me, but we're both built pretty much the same. And we were when we were going over the match. Um, he's like, "I have a symbol in my car that I just took off my drum set and replaced with a new one. Hit me in the head with it." I'm like, really? He goes, "Yeah, hit me with that fucker." I'm like, all right. <laughs> and like, I have a video of it. I'll have to show you, but it was so motherfucking loud. Um, but, anyways. Back to – thank you for answering that question, by the way. We kind of got a little sidetracked, but – Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) No, that's all right. That was kind of on me. Um, Back to the Mick Foley discussion. Um, Overall, I'd give him probably an 8.5. I I feel like I'm a little bit on the low scale, but that's just because I didn't get to see a lot of his heel work, and I do do hate that. Um, But when you're talking about the greatest superstars from the Attitude Era – Brock and Austin are obviously the first two you're going to think of. Triple H, Undertaker, a little bit of Shawn Michaels. You could argue that the Montreal Screwjob kind of kicked the Attitude Era into gear. Um,
2: Mick I Foley is not one of the top five in that conversation when you're talking about it, unfortunately. if it, it, He should be. He should be, mind. but he's, he's not. He's not
0: the first person people think of until they really start thinking about it. Yeah. If it's right off your first, you know, you think about the guys who were the most marketable, like Rock and Austin and The Undertaker. And then you start to think about it. I'm like, those guys benefited so much from being in the ring with Mick Foley that it's you can argue that their careers would not be anywhere near as successful as they were without Mick Foley. Triple H, absolutely. Undertaker, absolutely. Um even The Rock benefited from from Mick Foley. That whole tag team they had, the "This is Your Life" segment, um, definitely and the match that they had on Monday Night Raw, like the empty <coughs> arena match. What's that? The empty
2: arena match. That's really oh, the empty
0: arena match. Was, was it a uh, halftime heat during the Super Bowl? Wasn't it?
2: Super um, underrated match.
0: Oh yeah, I, I watched that match the like the first week that I had the WWE network. Because it was one of the, there wasn't, they didn't have all the pay per views on there, but they had that match. Um, I lost. It was a lot of fun. I love that match. Excuse me. All right. So, Santa, what would you say is your favorite moment or promo from McFoley's career?
3: My favorite moment Um. <laughs> oh boy, I, I have to go with the. This is your life segment. Um. The moment he won his first world title. And, um... <clears throat> it, yeah, that's... That is? Yeah.
2: I was going to say, <laughs> is the North Pole reception that bad? He's cutting in out, out?
0: Rusty, how about you, my man? Uh, if you so, narrow it down to one. <laughs> sure. Uh, I
1: thought about this a lot coming into this because I, I, I tried to think about, like, like not saying some of the matches that maybe other people that are wrestling experts would say. And uh, I, I really like decided it was going to be the, the rumble in 98. uh, And the fact that that was like this high (laughs) point where uh, because he's bringing all three characters into the rumble, even though like, you know, it's not necessarily like the rumble was all centered around Mick at all. But because he had taken all this time to do this, this character work and build up these various identities alongside each other and do this, that, to me, having them all actually go to the, go into the Rumble one at a time was kind of like this high point of, of, of that work. It's sort of like the end of, uh, of watching it all develop and play out. So to me, that's, that's, that's the one I
2: decided to choose. Very nice. I, I, I like that. Um, Shadow. Well, I mean, I can be like everybody else and be like, you know, the, the the title change for him winning is the big moment. Right. I don't, for me personally, again, I'm big Adam Copeland, Edge, whatever you want to call him these days. I'm a big fan of his. So the WrestleMania match that Mick decided I'm going through that burning table, that was my favorite moment because... Yes, he didn't have to do it at that stage in his career. Two, he put over somebody that he thought was worth it. He keeps giving back. A, A favorite promo of mine is after he won his world title because it was so genuine. And just, you know, he did the whole Rocky thing with the, hey, yo, Adrian, you know, the entire locker room cleared out for this man. Like, even the heels that hated him were all clear. And, like, it was great. It's like one of those moments in time that heel and face didn't matter. It was just a celebration of a man who worked his ass off to get to the pinnacle.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then <laughs> match is coming up next, I'm sure. So uh, we'll right. talk about the matches, but there's so many moments and it's hard to choose. And I, and I love Rusty's example too. It's that <laughs> is just iconic because it was the ultimate payoff for the three faces of Foley. Uh,
0: yeah, Absolutely. Um, you talk about the, um, the hardcore match with Edge, something that I kind of want to touch on really quick, too. Um, <clears throat> earlier in the year, that year, Edge cashed in the Money in the Bank briefcase, won the title from John Cena, lost it three weeks later at the Royal Rumble. Stupid, right? Um, John Cena's defending the WWE Championship against Triple H at that WrestleMania. Um, Rob Van Dam wins Money in the Bank. Two months later, after WrestleMania, Money in the Bank, He cashes in at one-night stand, has to lose the championship like a month later because he got arrested for pot, right?
2: Yeah.
0: So they put this triple threat match on. I think it was an episode of Monday Night Raw, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't take the safe route and put the title on John Cena. Edge won that fucking match. And I think the reason they put Edge back in the world title picture is directly related to his performance with McFoley at WrestleMania that year. I think – They could have easily taken the safe route and given it back to John Cena, which they eventually did a few months later anyways, but they let Edge take that title and run with it for the entire summer, and he killed it. He absolutely killed it, and I I 100% credit that match with Mick Foley for that. Um, That being said, my favorite Mick Foley moment is probably the Kane Dewey promo, um, just because it's so sadistic and the fact that he took something, a sign that someone brought to an ECW show that said Kane Dewey, because somebody wanted him to strike his three-year-old, his then three-year-old son with a Singapore cane and turn it into this promo just speaks to the level of like brain power that that man has. Like the, the the ability to entertain and turn anything into must see television. Um, I think it's it's definitely got to be that for me because it's just... I have I watch it a lot. Like, I'll go down the YouTube wrestling hole and I'll eventually stumble upon it and I'll watch the whole fucking thing in its entirety.
2: Um, he, I, he arguably was it. one of the few ring psychology geniuses at the time. Oh, yeah. That understood how to read a crowd, how to play off them, when a lot of wrestlers, <laughs> like The Rock, did not know how to take that. Right. And Mick ran with it. Like he truly is born to be what he was. Oh, yeah. Like, um, without a shadow of my mind, he was born to be what he was.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm a little surprised no one said the, the Hell in a Cell bump, honestly. I think that's
4: overplayed.
2: <laughs> I mean, it was in the opening sequence for WWE for like 10 years. I think that annoys me about that the most. And I think Takers touched on it, and so is Mick. They don't talk about it. Yeah. Like it always gets brought up to them and it i I think Taker said it annoys him now. Because right. they, they both are so much bigger than that moment now. Yeah. Oh yeah. That well they it's just tiresome to keep going over it. Well they, I, they... I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I, I
0: kinda liken it to uh people probably asking Taylor Swift about Kanye interrupting her at the <laughs> that awards ceremony ten fucking years ago. <laughs>
1: Well, the uh, like they did that that tape review where Mick and Undertaker watched that match. Re- like, what, like was that like a year ago or five years ago? I can't remember, but it wasn't it was, long ago. wasn't that long ago, but but and and I felt like they talked more while they were doing the watching of that match recently than I'd ever really heard about the match. Like, I I know this is like silly, but it's like for the longest time, you know how like. Mick has one of his teeth stuck in his nose, right? Mm-hmm. I had just thought it was just a big disgusting piece of snot in his nose and I had no idea until I watched that recently that that was a tooth. I, didn't
0: uh, know. I remember I, actually... I remember
1: they I remember they said it later but I remember just I just didn't clue in on that cuz he already had missing teeth so I didn't think about it, right? But
0: Yep. I um I actually read that in one of his books that he wrote. I've only read one Mick Foley book. But the one that I read covered a lot of his stuff from the Attitude Era. And I do remember – because I used to have a collection of wrestler memoirs. Um, I remember him saying something about it then. And I thought – "Holy!" I thought it was a big old boogie, too. Like, that's what it looks like on the broadcast. Um, But it's his fucking (laughs) tooth.
4: Excuse me. Well,
1: and, uh, like, WWE at that time, like, they weren't really (laughs) – trying to promote the the like the blood and the violence as much like that that mm-hmm. match was kind of an exception at that time period and mm-hmm. like so even if everybody knew that was his tooth i don't think they would they would say that because they right. they weren't they were like they weren't trying the gore to, factor right. no they weren't they were they were trying to downplay that because they had, they were trying to keep keep uh themselves on the air while what was that like what does that like i can't remember if that was during the ted turner era or or whatever but but like that whole idea of like you know, this is a family show, so right. it can't be about blood and, you You know, everyone right. gets in trouble if they blade or all that stuff. It's still anyway.
0: very early in the, the whole Attitude Era thing. Um, I think that a lot of people also forget about that second bump he took in that match when he went through the top of the fucking cell. That one doesn't get talked about enough. That one probably
2: hurt more. Like, he went through the ring. <laughs> But... It, Taker's also gone on record saying that pissed him off that Mick kept getting up. Oh, yeah? He just wanted him to stay down. Like, he just wanted that match to end, and Mick was just getting up and getting you. up and getting up and getting up. Oh, yeah. Um, I think... So, yeah, I don't mean to cut out. Uh, I think... No, you Taker even said he was legitimately going to strike him to knock him out because he was getting annoyed.
0: <laughs> he probably was... A, he was probably unconscious for most of that match, honestly. <clears throat> Um, anyways, speaking of matches Santa Claus, welcome back <laughs> What is your favorite Mick Foley match? Um, yeah.
3: I'm going to have to go with the, the Royal Rumble with The Rock I really like that one The Royal Rumble with The Rock? Yes
0: Was that the Was that the, the I I quit quit match. Yeah, yes. that's right that was a good match that was that was violent <laughs> Rusty how about you
1: uh I'm gonna uh go and say I can't remember exactly when it was like in 93 with uh with Vader um mm. and uh I wanna I, I remember there was that that terrible 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 uh you know, like power bomb where cactus jack, Got like a power bomb and like a concrete floor, and I remember when that yeah. happened, I just thought he was dead. Like I just yeah. thought that would kill somebody, oh,
0: yeah. and um,
1: and and Vader. Vader was like would always hit people so hard, and Vader. I, <laughs> yeah,
0: Vader yeah. was. Uh, he was fresh out of New Japan, and he was trained in strong style. He was four hundred pounds. <laughs> But sorry, uh, continue.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, and and this is the thing. Like, I, I know that uh, uh, Mick is also like known for you know being uh, like stiff and and working fast and hard and and that you know when you're comfortable with people, it's actually you prefer like most people, a lot of people prefer that because it's it sort of like lets you know they're there. Like, there's nothing worse than watching someone punch the air, and and what. Like, not hits, not hit you. Like, that's not what we're here to be doing, anyway. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> uh,
0: Malik says Mick Foley versus Triple H at the Royal Rumble in 2000. Also, an excellent match. Absolutely. That was his career
2: match. ending match,
0: wasn't it? Where he went, got at the time. Out. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Shadow, what about you? Your favorite
2: Mick Foley match? I have a couple. Yeah. Um, any match with him and Funk. Any match with him and Funk. Just doesn't matter. I could watch them go hours. That's fair. <laughs> um, honorable mention here for number two is uh, Edge and him at Mania. Again, Edge and I'm um, here's your Adam, edge. My number one match is Taker and him in a backstage boiler brawl. It took like three days to tape, and I only know this because if you watch it. Taker has a cut on his arm, and then one segment down the hallway, he doesn't. It and it's after it happened. <laughs> That's funny. But that is still one of my favorite matches, just because you find the little ambiances that they filmed over a couple days.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh so. cinematic matches, man. <clears throat> um, my favorite match, and I, I'm honestly surprised no one else said it is the hardcore match between him and Edge. I just did. Um, it. <clears throat> what's
2: that? I just did. It was my honorable mention.
0: Oh, well, yeah, honorable mention. But, um, as your favorite match, my, I mean, Edge Foley, I mean, I think that was one of the times where, like, throughout the most of 2006 and all of 2005, when Edge was feuding with you know, Matt Hardy and John Cena, I hated his guts. Absolutely hated him. I was still a kid, you know, so, like, but, like, Edge was just that one heel that I could not like at all because he was so slimy and the ultimate opportunist and all that. But that match that he had with Foley made me, like, respect him as a performer. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that the next night on Raw, Edge was getting cheered by the crowd. Like, and he was still this nasty-ass heel. So, and to boot Mick Foley in his 40s at the time, late 40s, to go through a flaming table, also putting a barbed wire wrapped sock in Lita's mouth was fucking amazing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that match is just iconic. Everything about it. Um, easily the best match on that WrestleMania card. Um, and that there that, that was some good matches on that card. Yeah. Um, are there any kind of like dream matches that you would have liked to see Mick Foley in? Santa? okay
3: I think Santa likes uh to see maybe Mick Foley and um and uh John Moxley right now um maybe maybe Mick Foley and um sort of strictly
0: anyone from a real promotion <laughs> <laughs>
3: I oh, mean continue. McFoley and Brock. Oh
4: god. <laughs> you're you're just high, we'll
2: eat some more <laughs> Would kill McFoley.
4: Whoa.
0: Oh my god. Uh Rusty, what about you? Uh
1: I, I have a a really great one, but before I say that, I'm gonna say that Brock Lesnar when he won the uh, UFC championship for the first time, I had nightmares about going to prison and him being my prison cellmate and <laughs> and just getting destroyed by him on an ongoing basis. So there's like just Brock Lesnar against anybody. I'm like, what are you doing? Don't do that, to poor. <laughs> don't do that <laughs> to poor Mick Foley. We'll Mick Foley doesn't fire. need that. Um, but what, I, what mine mine is a little a little bit more weird. And and uh, there was that that bizarre scenario where Hulk Hogan. Uh, came after Mick Foley uh, for being fat uh, while Hogan was was struggling with his book coming out at the same time as Mick Foley's book had been like on the bestseller list for like 26 y- uh, weeks consecutively. And Hogan's book came out at number 13 and then just went down. And uh, so he he was on a talk show and just, just sort of kind of cut into Mick Foley for no good reason. And Look there was a part Howard of Howard
2: Stern show or something.
1: I don't remember I don't remember where where it happened. I remember seeing Foley respond to it and and kind of being really legitimately hurt. And then I and I thought about it going, you know, it's really it's really too bad that uh those two never got to have it out because then I like and I agree with Foley where his response was if he, if Hogan had ever wrestled him, he wouldn't be saying these things. And like there's no respect because there's there's no in the ring appreciation for the talent that's there. Um, So, you know, and, and obviously he also thinks that Hogan was coming at him from a place of being wounded because his book isn't doing well. And he's got his ego (laughs) bruised and all that. But, and I, and I, you know, I'm not going to tell you what I think Hulk Hogan was thinking. I I don't know if anyone can tell you what that, what the hell he ever is thinking, but. Uh, um, He's everybody's (laughs) favorite
2: races for a reason, right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) But, uh, but anyway, I thought, I think if that match, uh, could happen now, I think it'd be very entertaining.
2: I mean, at the very least, it would be entertaining. I think yeah. Mick could still go. I don't know about Hogan, but... That's that's
1: why it'd be entertaining.
0: Uh, Malik says Foley versus CM Punk. They've never wrestled on a big stage. Definitely not. They had, they had an excellent promo exchange in 2011 or 2012, I want to say. Highly recommend going and watching that. But uh, basically, CM Punk was avoiding trying to get into a match with John Cena. Um, And Mick Foley basically came out and called him out and said, do you want to be a statistic or do you want to be a legend? Grow some balls. Great fucking promo. Uh, Shadow, what do you
2: think? I only have two. Um, One would be Kevin Owens because I think him and Owens would put on a banger. And uh, just because... Wyndham used it, I would have loved to have seen a passing of the torch with a manable claw between Bray and Mick. That would have been a brawl, dude. Yeah. Um, we kind of got it, but not really because Bray did attack fully. But like right. would you would you want to see the the fiend versus
0: mankind? Yes. Yes, percent yeah? That's that would okay, be a yeah.
2: very sadistic, twisted match, and I I would yes. have been there for it. Dude, also- honestly, let's do it in 2K. <laughs> Do it 2K yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell in a Cell or Extreme Rules and just let them go. Oh, yeah. That would have been amazing.
0: Sabu versus I... Foley. That did happen in ECW a couple of times back in the 90s. Um, but
2: that was a long time ago uh, on a big stage oh, now. One more. One more. Sorry. Yeah. New Jack and Cactus Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that. It's going to be bloody and gutsy, and I'm here
1: for it. <laughs> oh, poor, poor McFoley. He's going to get, get stabbed. Tapes. You have a
2: psychotic person, and you have a nice person. That's a tale of two That's different tapes,
0: <laughs> Rest in peace, man. Oh, my God. Um, Kevin Owens was one of mine, definitely. Um, CM Punk was another. But I think I had one. Hold on. I think I wrote it down, but – I should have wrote it down, but I don't think
2: I did. I'm stupid. Um, and While you're thinking, let's get yeah. Mick up into <laughs> Northlands and have Rusty versus Mick. <laughs> yeah, sure. Get him up here. Oh, do it. there we go. I figured it out. Um, so somebody who
0: is also really good at wrestling against pretty much anybody and matching their style. Cody Rhodes. Mm. That might sound a little biased. I don't know if it is. But I think the two of them would actually steal the show from a- in any pay per view that they'd be in. Like I genuinely think they'd tear the house down. Um, I... Cody's a very selfless performer. Foley's a very selfless performer. Santa. Um, sorry. Um,
3: Santa, Santa. thought of another one. Um, just because the promos between those two and the story time will be amazing. Um. Uh, I think Karrion Cross would be a great opponent for Mick Foley.
0: I could see that actually. I could if Karrion Cross was given a bigger platform than he has, absolutely. Um I
1: have got an add on an add-on to uh Shadows, which is uh with with uh New Jack, I was like, you know, I remember uh Mick talking at one point about wrestling at the gathering of juggalos like insane clown posse's big festival they do and saying that he's never been so scared of his fans until that moment uh, <laughs> which is pretty funny and i thought you know you do the the new jack event at the gathering of juggalos and i think foley is gonna be like really on edge and maybe be a little bit a little bit more kind of jabby in that match so
0: I- I live in Michigan. I'm so fucking tired of juggalos, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired of them. Ugh. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, there's one dream match that I'm surprised no one mentioned, and it, it upsets me because it's Mick Foley against arguably the greatest in ring performer of all time. That is, of course, the Nigerian giant. Oh my. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> He is most definitely actually. If if Omas had some more training, they could probably put on a pretty good show. But
2: I'm I'm have we even seen Omas since WrestleMania?
0: No, <laughs> it's great. No, Keep no, it that well, no. he was in a battle royal at SummerSlam. That oh, was cool. It. Missed it. Yeah, My a Slim Jim battle royal, brother. all right Um. <laughs> so I think I mean the easiest question that I think we got to answer is is does he deserve his spot in the Hall of Fame? I think that's an easy yes. Um. There's people who got in with way less. Donald Trump. <laughs> i think he was one of the biggest reasons why wwe was able to win the monday night wars he will not get that credit as much as he should i think he does he's legitimately one of the greatest superstars of all time and he doesn't get talked about enough um <clears throat> so before we kind of uh wrap things up there any kind of anything else we want to kind of throw out rusty i know you're a big mcfoley guy
1: uh you know um there's something, and I mean, this is a bigger conversation. You could probably do a whole podcast, just uh, yeah. or videocast, or pod, or whatever you youngsters are calling it these days. Uh, you could probably do a whole episode on just like how death matches have like this huge spectrum of what they actually are, and people just will group them all into like kind of oh those are death matches, and and that's it. And you know, Mick has been kind of given or earned the title of kind of king of the death match, and. I would say it's almost like bringing death matches into the mainstream hemisphere more than maybe necessarily actually being the king of the full spectrum of death matches, even though he did, you know, get explosions and all that kind of stuff, like all the wild stuff. There's still like, there's so many things that I'm like, I don't even know half of it. Cause I, I'm not a death match wrestler, but, uh, but um, to me, I think that that, like exploring specifically how uh, Mick was even able to bring, like you know, like that we talked about that um, Undertaker match and how like that was almost like bringing death matches into WWE and and how that that kind of happened. That's such a mainstream thing. It's so bizarre, but to me, like that's that's a big deal. Like that you know, so to try to throw that that credit to him in that way, even though obviously there's other people that have also done the hard work of that. Uh, I think it's important to bring it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Uh, Santa Sean, I saw you had your hand up.
3: Um, you know, as Santa Claus, uh, I know who to call if I want to take a vacation one Christmas year. Um, McFoley, as a Santa Claus, we didn't get touched on, but uh, him is a 10 out of 10. And uh, McFoley, call me up sometime. Let's have some uh, egg dogs sometime. Fucking Christ. I'll, I'll call Mrs. Claus and uh, <laughs> let her know that I'm filmed down for a vacation.
2: <laughs> Any closing remarks to beat? Get uh, that out of my brain. I have nothing other than uh, I need to see Mrs. Claus's OF. So, ooh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's actually OE only elves. Yeah, All,
0: man, right. Right, All right. right. Okay. <laughs>
2: You oh, can see man. that with belting cookies, you know. Ooh. 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 All right. Um, <laughs> <coughs> with that being said. Hey, look at oh, Rusty. Rusty look at
0: that. The backwards butcher. All right. Uh, with that being said, before we sign off, Shadow, where can we find you, my
2: guy? You can find me on Off the Top Media, Ribbit City Radio, doing ringside chatter. You catch it when we drop it. It's typically Mondays now for the – at least for the foreseeable future, as we all have busy schedules. We talk everything hockey-related. Sorry for the interruption. Returns in January, where we don't even care that we interrupt your night, but we'll be bringing that attitude back in the new year. So get ready for it. And if you and if you care, I don't really drop much anymore, but you can catch me on TikTok at that guy shadow.91. All right.
0: Santa Claus, where can we find you besides the North Pole, sticking it with your candy cane to Mrs. Claus?
3: Oh, they go find me on Christmas, uh, in your mom's house in the sack.
0: Okay. Um, and again, I want to give a big special thanks to uh, our very first time guest here, Rusty Blackwell. Rusty, where can we find you at, my guy?
1: Uh, you can check me out at uh, rustyblackwell.com. You can, uh, I've got a couple that's shows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you know, that's where it's at. <laughs> gotta keep uh, gotta keep busy gotta represent so I, I'm uh, I'm gonna be touring with the uh, uh, Canadian wrestling elite uh, in uh, Sudbury and Chigang First Nation out of Manitoulin Island in January as well as uh, a big show with Northland wrestling on January 25th or sorry no January 20th oh no oh boy don't wait, I won't uh, tell Dan. <laughs> don't, don't tell my, don't tell Ted. Uh, on January 20th, uh, I'll be at a big show in North Bay, Ontario. So check out Northland Wrestling uh, on Facebook. Check out Canadian Wrestling Elites and look for more in 2024.
2: Oh my. <laughs> yeah, but before Nate closes, you guys, if you have a chance, well, any of these guys are touring from Northland, make sure you hit up their shows. I love them all. They're great. They've been on the network, they're great guests. I appreciate talking to all of them. Just check them out and give them support. Show them that you're paying attention and give them some love.
0: All right. And before we sign off, real quick, you can find me on TikTok, um Nate McNamara WB. Uh that's pretty much all I do right now is just this and occasionally TikTok. I don't even go live on TikTok anymore, but I'll start I'll start popping in every now and again if Shadow's not being a racist. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll explain it oh, to
2: Rusty. Not um, Shadow. No, before but again, before you finish, if you guys want to check out Rusty and Tommy's interview with myself, head over to our YouTube and you can listen to their journeys to becoming pro wrestlers. All right. And Career Retrospective will return
0: in January as well. We're going to take a holiday break. So, we'll probably take a good three weeks off or so. We'll see you guys back in January. Hope everyone has a great, great holiday. A Merry Christmas. And before we sign off, Santa Claus, I need you to give me a nice, ho, ho, ho.
3: That
0: was terrible. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you.